Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into a business-growing sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, SEO, and social media advice, and also has strategies and tips from the experts without fluff. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and an education partner with the Shopify-approved course, 1,000 Sales and Beyond. He's the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify. Shopify owners. Nick has over 13 years experience in digital marketing from PPC and SEO through to digital transformation of businesses. He's helped hundreds of brands from startup Shopify stores through to international enterprises that operate in hundreds of countries. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interview the experts to help you in your journey to success. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. For those of you who haven't tuned in before, my name's Nick. I'm going to be your host here. I've got loads of experience in the digital space, and I've had some amazing guests on the show since I took over hosting from Caroline back in June time. This series we're in at the moment is the Bright Pearl sponsored series called Winners and Losers. And there is a free guide that you guys can go and grab if you want to. There'll also be a little uh, clip at the end of this episode today talking about that specific guide. If you want to get hold of it, please go to Bright Pearl, which is spelled B-R-I-G-H-T-P-E-A-R-L.com forward slash winners and losers. And that's and A-N-D. So brightpearl.com forward slash winners and losers. The code to get hold of this free report is bright pearl, all one word in capitals. This amazing report is only available to listeners of this podcast. So please go and get your free copy of that. And if you didn't listen to part one of this series, please go back and listen to an amazing guest I had called Andrew, who was talking about how things are going to change for retailers and highlighting some opportunities. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button to support the show. We post every Friday, so you'll never, ever miss an episode. Without further ado, I want to introduce today's guest. Her name's Sarah, and she's part of the Bright Pearl team. She's an expert in the e-commerce space, and Sarah is absolutely obsessed with understanding and finding solutions to the challenges facing modern retailers. And today, specifically, we're going to be talking about the importance of future-proofing post-COVID. Sarah, hello, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here today. Great. Well, it's great to be here. And as we were saying just before we hit record, you're based out in the US, and I'd love to be out there right now. But of course, at the time of recording, we're still in lockdown. So there's no planes. I'm barely allowed to my local pub, um, which in the UK is a religious activity that we go to the pub and we have a beer on a regular basis. But um, you're very welcome to the show. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and about your role in the Bright Pearl team? Yeah, absolutely. So I work as global director of product marketing at Bright Pearl, which means I really sit at almost this intersection between obviously product and marketing, <laughs> given the name, but I also work really closely with sales and the Bright Pearl customer. So what I do from a high level is manage a team whose sole focus is representing the voice of our customer. And we do that by making sure that our product really brings value that resonates with the market. And we make sure that we're communicating that value so that we can help drive product adoption as well as advocacy. And I've been at Bright Pearl for just over two years. And it's been a wild ride, especially recently, as you can uh, probably imagine. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, which is actually why we did some research into that topic recently. So as you mentioned, how to future-proof your business as a retailer by 
really just understanding all this changing buying behavior that's happening and the changing spending habits post lockdown, which of these habits are actually going to stick and maybe hang out long term as as well as ones that Bright Pearl can help manage along with that new behavior. Sure. And let's let's just rewind the clock for a second. So for the benefit of some of our listeners who may not have heard of Bright Pearl or understand the platform and didn't actually listen to an episode where we had your CEO on talking specifically about the product and some of the, the challenges that retailers face. But if COVID hadn't happened, what are some of the common reasons you would turn to either Bright Pearl or a platform like Bright Pearl? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, honestly, the issues that retailers faced pre-COVID, they're very similar to what they're facing today. They're just much more prominent and have to be solved a lot faster than I think a lot of brands have been used to. I think of it almost as like a funnel. So at the at the top or the largest part, you have all your competitors out there, right? The, with the main challenge of just being how to figure out what's going to set you apart. And usually one of the best ways to do that is through this idea of perfecting the customer experience, which is brings me to that next step, is focusing on how to really perfect that journey throughout the entire buying cycle. So from start to finish and even back again. And then below that, you've got the ever-growing customer expectations, thanks to a lot of the giants out there like Amazon, who I think set at what sometimes feel like very impossible expectations. So you've got next day or even same day delivery, for instance, that retailers are now really having to try and meet just because they're that's what consumers are used to. And then finally, right beneath that, you have this growing cost of customer acquisition, which I'm not sure if you're familiar, but that has doubled in the last five years for retailers. And that's, I mean, there's just so much going into all these different stages that I just mentioned. So SEO costs, agency costs, you've got software and hardware, all of this combined every single year, it's growing as competition becomes more fierce. So Bright Pearl, I I say all that because we are the layer that goes over each of these stages. So we've got things like inventory management and sales order management or accounting, reporting, shipping, weaving its way into each of these areas. And Bright Pearl is focused mainly on helping you get the right products out the door faster so that you can keep your customers happy so that they're coming back and buying from you again and again. I think it's a very important point you make, actually. And obviously, we as a business sit very much in the sort of SEO, PPC, customer acquisition space. Mm-hmm. And actually, we, we've seen exactly what you just said. So even, even if you, for example, looked at Google click costs for PPC, they have gone up. Not They've not doubled, but the amount of people advertising definitely has. And I think one of the things certainly that Shopify has changed is there are now more retailers around. And that then means there's more retailers with more different USPs, more of an edge in certain places, massive move towards being eco-friendly. I've actually had a client send me some loose leaf tea this week, which is absolutely delicious. I just had my first cup about an hour ago and it was absolutely delicious. But then I found out the average tea bag, and of course in the UK, we drink a heck of a lot of tea, has 30% plastic in. And the founder of this company, she is actually going to come on the podcast at some point. But it's that whole kind of thing of like, well, that's me out of the normal tea market for life. But I just, knowing how much plastic's in it, what, how they treat the farmers, that wouldn't have happened if there weren't more people competing. And that particular client is actually on Shopify. So they spent $29 and had a store. The playing field is so low. So I think actually you talking about helping businesses find their edge, get that, get that product out as quickly as possible. There's always been that unwritten rule, hasn't there, in sales of once the deal's done, stop selling. Just get the contract, get it, get it signed, get started. You know, stop selling. And I was listening to a book the other day, an audio book the other day, and the guy was like, so as soon as they say, yeah, let's go ahead, 
Step one, shut up. <laughs> that was the, the kind of first thing. And I thought it was really that. important, actually. It's the same with e-commerce, isn't it? It's yeah. like if somebody buys a product, you don't then want to hit them with some surveys and give them some complicated options. I'm at the car. I'm ready. You know, I've got my credit card in my hand, ready to type the numbers in. And you start asking me about which of these 20 delivery options do you want? So I, 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 what? I'm, I'm lost. No, I know. You know, and you don't want to suddenly lose that sale. And it's all about making sure that that whole experience sort of where Bright Pearl comes in is that back office stuff. So after somebody hits the buy button, what happens? And a lot of times retailers are focused so heavily on the front office, which is still incredibly important. Obviously, you need to get somebody to your website, you need to get them to buy. But all the stuff that happens of getting them their, the right product at the right time, perfecting that experience so that when it's in their hand, they feel good about this purchase and want to come back and purchase from you again. That's what's going to help with your cost of acquisition, all that kind of stuff that at the end of the day is going to really set you apart from your competitors, but also just make you successful. So yeah, it's exciting. There's a lot of different things involved in it. And it's been, like I said, especially poignant <laughs> over the last few months, just from everything going on with COVID. I think an interesting point you've just made as well, just to highlight, if, again, if you're new to the show, this might be new. If you're not, this will definitely not be new. And that is that the the, the second, third, fourth, fifth order getting repeat orders from your existing customers is so important to success. If you run a business where somebody can only buy from you once, things like Facebook advertising, Google advertising, Google shopping, this stuff is not going to work for you. The only, your only options really are kind of the affiliate market, Amazon, stuff where you have a fixed cost of sale. And even that fixed cost of sale raises its own problems where you don't control the customer. And so again, I think having, having a process to say, do you know what, if we only got two new customers a month, but they're going to buy from us, every month for the next five years. Well, that's quite a profitable business model. It's going to take time, but it is quite profitable. And getting two or three customers in is quite easy and not going to cost a lot. It's where, you know, if you're trying to trying to grow at scale and you're just as, as Sarah says, focusing on that first order, it's going to be a nightmare. So let's bring COVID into the equation then. How have things changed then for the retailer, in your opinion? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, when COVID hit, we saw a massive shift in really how retailers can sell and also distribute. So many of our own customers, they actually had to close stores and channels, switching their strategy completely to maybe something like D2C or just moving completely online. And they had to do this all really quickly. <laughs> I mean, Shopify, you guys saw this as well with an increase. I think it was 62% of Shopify Plus stores were created between March and April this year. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so because of that, you know, merchants... A few of those were with us, I have to admit. You know, we were part of that wave. No, it, that wave was incredible. And that was because merchants were really forced to adjust to COVID and the lockdowns that followed where all these consumers now were being pushed online, which when that's done right, it can create tremendous opportunity. I mean, some of our customers they saw triple digit year over year sales spikes. I mean, we had one who saw 800% growth. So the key to all of that though, is it has to be done right. And that's really been the focus of all of this. How can you adjust your business quickly so that it aligns not just with really like a shopper's preference, which is what we had been used to, but also now these are requirements and how can you do this even better than your competitors? So I think at the end of the day, what makes us all just so incredibly interesting, especially to us at Bright Pearl, is just understanding what sort of lasting change we're going to get from COVID, what things have changed for now versus what things have changed forever. And that's exactly why we decided to research this topic. What is 
the future of retail. And what we found is a lot of these things that we have considered to be sort of like nuances unique to COVID, they're actually pretty likely to remain. Things like just the rise of online stores, as we've talked about, and everything that goes along with that. So you're selling across different channels, you're having to manage your inventory really accurately to help prevent overselling, you're handling these huge surges in returns, right? Because there's such a huge portion of your business that's moved online. So you're trying to figure that aspect out. Yeah. People trying things on, checking how they fit, that sort of thing. Yes. And they're not in the stores anymore. So they're ordering stuff online. And as such, you're going to see that massive shift in returns. And of course, you're going to probably hear me say this 10 times, but just the customer experience, that's what's centered around each of these areas. And we've seen a very clear line between those retailers who have really ramped up their innovation by utilizing tech partners like Shopify Plus and like Bright Pearl to help manage this transition and those who have it. So the ones that haven't, those businesses are are really struggling to just respond to this once in a generation test of business continuity and planning and supply chain flexibility that is really, I think, just going to intensify as more and more consumers move online. Um, And we're going to see the impact of this pandemic go on, I mean, for months, if not years. So it should be interesting. Sure. And I think one one thing that I thought was the case, and then check the report and definitely is the case, is consumer trust in digital has definitely gone up, hasn't it? Like people have gone online for the first time and, oh, I've never bought a pair of shoes online. Oh, these guys have got a fitting guide. Well, let me just get my tape measure out the shed, you know, do a quick measure of my foot and, <laughs> oh, I'm that size on this store. Well, let's order some and, exactly. oh, and there's free returns. Well, there's nothing to lose. Really. People that had never looked at the online world. I did though, and we were talking about this last week with Andrew, I did go, I haven't actually bought it yet, but I did go into John Lewis in the UK. He's like the, one of the most luxurious retailers yeah. here. We absolutely love them. We're very proud in the UK of John Lewis. And um, I went in and was looking at some TVs. And some guy realized that I was checking the reflectivity by shining my phone light at a TV, partly because where my TV sits in the lounge, I can see the window during the day from the other wall. So I was like, I wonder if, I wonder if it's just my TV or if all TVs are reflective. And the sales guy walked over and he said, are you looking for an anti-reflection TV screen, sir? And I said, yes, I am. And instantly thought, well, you don't get that on a website, do you? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know it was a thing and I wasn't looking for it. I was just there and went... I was like, oh, these TVs are nice. And it's actually me thinking, how am I going to convince my girlfriend that we should get a new TV at home? Because she <laughs> she won't just, you know, that's my money. She'll just tell me it's a waste if I just bought one. Um, so that was yeah. why I was looking. I was like, well, she did mention an anti-reflection would be good, but this is a much more expensive TV than the one we've got. So I think online has made a massive wave at building trust. And there are, you know, I'm, tr- I'm trying to make a point of not listing too many of the actual statistics themselves, because I do think it's worth all of you guys going and downloading either the UK or US um, version of this report. But there were so many statistics in there that spoke about trust levels being increased. And some retailers I've noticed have actually slipped down on SEO. Their PPC is not running as well. There's a couple of broken bits on their website, but revenue is still up because overall volume is still up. So I think retailers that had a store before COVID and had done lots of conversion optimization, they're the ones that should really be, you know, really, really grabbing this stuff. I think, as you say, some wholesale businesses going direct to consumer or drop shipping companies setting up, you guys have got a standing start to some capacity. It's definitely the best time to launch. You've got a bigger market. But I think the amount of trust that's been built through consumers is good. And actually, the advice we've been giving out, which this report massively points towards, is actually to build your customer base as quickly as you can now. So build it while the volume's there. 
And then when you've got something like Bright Pearl in place, you can then communicate with your customers, get things out on time, so that actually then you don't need to do loads of really complicated, expensive, confusing email marketing. You know, I, the, the top I'm wearing right now, I buy from this brand a lot because I like them. Exactly. It's a good product. It arrives quickly. And actually, which leads me to one of my questions really is click and collect. <laughs> I was surprised to see click and collect has gone yeah. up. When I thought, well, everyone's at home. <laughs> so surely click and collect would increase when you're not at home. But that was something that really stuck out to me. Hence why I put it in the list of questions we were talking about. But what, what are your thoughts on that, Sarah? Why do you think that's that's happened? Well, I mean, I was really excited to see the study just demonstrate the potential growth of click and collect, or as we say in the the US, buy online, pick up in store. And slightly longer than click and collect. I'll take the UK credit for that. (laughs) It's way sexier for sure. I I love that term much more. (laughs) But what I I love it, one, because as a consumer, I love click and collect. I think it's incredibly convenient. It gives me that instant gratification that even Amazon can't always meet. So as a consumer, I was excited, but It also, what I love so much about Click and Collect is it represents such an area of benefits for both the merchant and the consumer, which is rare. And so for, you know, pre-COVID, Click and Collect was almost seen as like a type of convenience that merchants could offer. Obviously, you're more likely to go into the store, but if you don't feel like it, don't worry, we've got this option as well. But now in a lot of instances, this has become a requirement with sometimes it being the only way that a brick and mortar merchant can actually sell. So what we'll see happen is as more consumers, I think, start to see the huge benefits of click and collect is their overall long-term adoption of it. And in a lot of instances, consumers are starting to demand it. We're talking to Bright Pearl customers every single day who are telling us that they need to expedite their click and collect plans yeah, yeah. from you know 2021, even 2022 to now, but you know, before Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So consumers want this, a lot of competitors are doing it. And if you want to be a player, then yeah, it's absolutely necessary to make this part of your buying experience. And our study showed that that number, it's it's 41% of shoppers plan to actually increase their own use of click and collect in the next 12 months. But I've actually seen other metrics out there that could put this in the 60 to 70% range. So it should absolutely be a huge priority for every online retailer that has either a physical store or a physical location that can be seen as like a pickup option, acting almost as like a warehouse. And we actually have some customers doing this where you pick, pack and pick up an item instead of ship it. And it's just, it's an incredible way to give your customers that that instant satisfaction, but while also helping them feel safer than coming into your actual store. So yeah, definitely a huge proponent for this, uh, not just as a consumer, but also as, as somebody who works with retailers every day. Some of the delivery companies in the UK, and I, I'll be honest, I've never actually researched this in the US. I'd be really keen to hear if it's the same sort of thing. But in the UK, we have a lot of couriers we use, a bit like um, UPS is a, is a big global one or DHL, but we've got loads of little ones in the UK that have a network then of like local news agents, as we call them. So like grocery stores, as they would be in the US, where you can just have it delivered to like the petrol station um, or gas station near your house, which I use quite a lot. I have um, an elderly lady next door who picks up packages for me and she's great at it. So I sometimes send stuff to her house with my name and she knows exactly it's for me. So I have my own free click and collect warehouse next door. But... (laughs) There is also in the UK, there's a network um, or many, many networks. And actually, it's expected in a lot of stores now. Even things like eBay and Amazon. We have Amazon lockers at petrol stations, but eBay can actually be delivered to the cashier in the shop. 
and you go into the petrol station shop or the local news agents and you just go up and you say, yeah, I've got a package to pick up. Here's the barcode. And now I'm looking down. I think actually the shoes I'm wearing now, <laughs> I actually bought these just before lockdown, some nice Timberland boots from the Timberland website. And they were delivered to my local petrol station and I picked them up on the way home, which means I used to get stuff delivered to the office, but because I'm one of the only people at the office right now, I don't want to be answering the door. I could be on calls. I could be, you know, I did hear the buzzer went off a minute ago, even though I'm recording this. So I'm ignoring Mm -hmm. it. I don't want to miss a delivery. So actually having somewhere you can pick it up, that's not just the retailer itself. And petrol stations, they're open 24 hours a day, a lot of them. So I could literally turn up whenever I want and collect it. Absolutely. And I think, again, talking about customer experience, I think just bringing this back a second is just, just to give everyone a bit of a heads up that I don't think you should write down all these different things and try and implement all of them. I think what you really need to do, and we talk about this every single week on the podcast, is understand your customers. So work out, do you think your customers would like Click and Collect? Are they elderly? And actually, you want to get a really nice, expensive, premium home delivery service because they are always at home. Or are they younger, on the move a lot? And actually, you know, they, they may even get it delivered to a train station and pick it up halfway through a train journey somewhere where they know they're changing trains or on the way home from work or something like that. So I think, again, it's about understanding your customers to make the user experience what they would expect. I looked on a site recently and saw their delivery times were like 10 to 20 days. And my instant reaction was, what on earth? This is so long. But then when I checked the user group who it was for, and actually everything was handmade... 10 to 20 days doesn't seem so bad anymore. Not not my cup of tea, not my sort of stuff. But I could see instantly through their imagery and the way they position their products and the price of them and the fact they're all handmade and they were handmade to order as well. Waiting 10 to 20 days is not such a problem. And actually, that's part of the experience. It's part of the anticipation of it turning up and that's part of their brand. So again, I just thought I'd make the point quickly that don't write down all of these ideas and try and implement all of them. You'll never get around to all of them and some of them just won't work and it'll be a waste of time. So I think talk to customers and find out what you think is going to work best for them. Yeah, and I think in that vein of customers too, a, a good place that we always recommend is your customer reviews. So go online, you know, look at what they're they're saying about you. Obviously speak to them one-on-one if you can. And then in conjunction with that, any sort of competitors, what are they doing? Um, what are they doing that's working? What are they doing that's not working? How are customers talking about that brand as well? And that can really give you an idea of sort of, I think, Nick, I agree as far as like, what's the priority? Like in, in all these ideas, what's the thing that I think is going to impact my business the most? How does that rank in terms of my resources that I have and really how realistic it is for me to get it implemented quickly? But yeah, customers are obviously that's what I do in product marketing. That is my favorite part of what I do. So I'm always, always recommending that to our own customers as well. Yeah. And customers are fun, aren't they? I mean, talking, they really to, are. <laughs> talking to customers, you, you got to be very thick skinned and very lighthearted, I found, because yes. one customer will just kind of, they've had a bad day and you're the one that's phoned them up or emailed them. So if one customer completely destroys everything you've ever believed in, then please don't feel too run down by that. What you want to do is you want to, you almost want to go into the customer feedback, trying to know what you want to know before you get there. So like, are we trying to find out if customers are happy or not? Are we trying to find out, did they have a good delivery experience? As you say, I think a really good thing to do and something we do as part of SEO is have a look at the one to two star reviews on Trustpilot, FIFO, reviews.io, stuff like this. Have a look at them and see what they said. And you can quickly determine, is it a complete nutter? that we're just going to giggle and move on, maybe even ask for the review to be removed? Or actually, is it quite a legitimate, you know, my product took seven days to get here, I paid for next day, I emailed them twice, 
you know, that, that's the kind of thing that the Bright Pearl sales team are looking for, uh, you know, to then say, this should never happen. And if it does happen, they should be aware of it. The customer should know what's going on. Absolutely. And with, with those reviews specifically, you're trying to pick out themes, right? Like, obviously, you're going to have the sometimes the one-off instance of, of something going bad. And to your point, you know, doesn't need to be removed altogether. But are you, are you sensing that there are themes in delayed deliveries and product mispicks and things like that? Because what we found, we've actually done some research with Trustpilot around this topic specifically, Nick, that's a little bit of a tangent, but is in those one to two star reviews, so sort of fall in that, that designation of poor reviews, 77% of the issues reported had to deal with issues that happen in the back office. So it's not about the product not performing or anything like that. It's more, I got the wrong product or it took too long for me to get it or the returns process was a nightmare or they didn't charge my credit card correctly or anything like that. I mean, that's almost 80% of one to two star reviews could in theory be removed if you were able to really understand and perfect that post-purchase experience. So it's fascinating. Yeah. Customers themselves are just, there's so much information that they have that is is so useful to a retailer and just perfecting that whole experience. Yeah, definitely. And I think bringing it back to a hot topic on the podcast that we're always talking about is customer acquisition. And I know we said earlier about, you know, once you've got some customers, turn your attention to the experience they get. But again, just bringing it back to customer acquisition, if you understand some of the pain points your customers experience with your competitors, some of the pain points they experience with you and you remove those pain points, A, people are going to be buying more from you and B, you are going to be way more competitive because you can turn those things into content on your website. So if everybody, you know, if you sell uh, made-to-measure suits and dresses, so you take the order, it takes you a week to actually create it because you've got a bit... If you could change your back office system to actually ship that item of clothing in 24 hours... How competitive are you going to be now? And what's your leading message? But again, if people aren't, if they're happy to wait longer, it might not be the best thing to start throwing around. People might say, well, it's going to be low quality if it's done that quickly. But that's where understanding your customer base and your positioning in the market is so important. And I think, again, just making that point really, really clear that everything you learn, you should fix the problems and then make a bit of noise about it. Like put it into your USPs on the header of your website, add it into product saying, this product will be with you by this date. And if I, correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah, but that, that is something Brightpile's system can actually do, can't it? It can estimate on a product-by-product product basis to say, well, it might be a blanket basis, but it's in stock and it's in the right warehouse. So this, this could be delivered by X date, which Amazon does now do. Exactly. Yeah, it'll, based off of location, it'll route to the closest warehouse. And if the inventory is not at that warehouse, it'll route to the next closest. So lots of, of customizations that are also all automated. So that's that's one of... Bright Pearl's biggest focus is we want you as a retailer to not have to worry about all that stuff. So we take care of it on the back end to make sure that the right product is getting to the right person as quickly as possible. Sure. I tried to tee you up nicely for that one. It's a good thing <laughs> I that, loved it. It's, it's one of the reasons I actually <laughs> like Bright Pearl is, again, from an SEO perspective, from a customer acquisition on PPC perspective, it gives us ammunition to go to market and say, right, we're going down this route. This is our big USP. And without that, you're going to struggle because a lot of your competitors are going to have it. Now, I'm going to change the topic slightly because there's something that came out of this report that was quite surprising. And at the time of reading this, it wasn't a thing, but it is now. And I'm going to talk about a second wave of coronavirus. So in the report, 
half of, well, more than half of the retailers that were interviewed said they had made no preparations for a second wave of COVID-19. Bearing in mind, all of these guys are based in the UK and the US. And the US just seems to be climbing and climbing. The UK, we were quite arrogantly thinking it was all over. And actually, we are now in a second wave at the time of recording. It's, it's the 29th of September now. So hopefully, hopefully we flatten the curve and it's coming back down and the pubs can, can open beyond 10pm, which has been an absolute nightmare for most of us in the UK. But 44% of businesses said they do not believe they could actually survive a second wave. So 44% said they couldn't survive another wave or don't think they could. But over half of retailers hadn't made any preparations whatsoever to actually overcome that. How could they be future-proofing themselves, in your opinion, Sarah? Well, I was, I have to say, equally surprised at that stat. Just, I, But I do think that really at the end of the day, it comes down to the fact that just a lot of retailers, they haven't had the time to plan for the future or... I've, I talked to somebody yesterday who said they were basically squeezing their 18-month plan into six weeks. <laughs> so there's just uh, no bandwidth for them to really prioritize something like this because the priority was keeping your doors open. And that's obviously enough to keep people pretty busy. But it is, it's a really dangerous position to be in, especially with that now here threat of a second wave of the virus. So now more than ever, it's so incredibly important to audit your business and see where you basically need a, a tune-up because the long-term survival of your business, that's what it's going to depend on. So we like to start by just recommending, obviously from a Bright Pearl perspective, really examining your operations. And if you're not sure where to start with that, we actually put together this three-minute multiple choice quiz that can actually help you figure out where to focus on first. So you can find that at brightpearl.com forward slash health checker. But this is a really nice tool that asks you a series of questions that help determine where your biggest opportunity is for improvement. And we've also talked about this before, but check those reviews, talk with your customers, see what they need, see what they want. Look at your competitors. What are they getting right? What are they getting wrong? How can you sort of amplify the good stuff? And then just think about really how agile your business really is. Because I think I hope you agree with me here, Nick, but this whole experience has just reminded us how incredibly unpredictable yeah, this industry is. <laughs> and, and right, I mean, it's just crazy. But when we look at the merchants who have really seen success through all of this so far, it's the ones who invested in the technology that really helped perfect that experience, who were actually able to automate all these different workflows to, to keep up with these massive surges that they might have seen in demand who could also do all of this really quickly. So I know it's hard to, to try and make this future-proofing a priority, but it really is, at this point, sort of a make-or-break scenario. And that can be brought on by where we're at now with phase two of COVID or just some other sudden shift in our industry and in our economy. So how flexible are you and how resilient is your business because of that? And I think one important point to make on this as well, just, just to give Shopify a bit of good credit, because we are talking about Shopify and I think almost every one of our listeners are Shopify fans, hence why they've tuned in. But I think a, a really important point to make about Shopify is it costs you the same whether you've got 100 million people on the site today or whether you've got none it costs you the same in hosting costs. The only time you're going to start really paying more is either when you get more transactions through the cart, and especially if you're using Shopify's cart because you pay per transaction. And the other time is if you then start upgrading your Shopify package to get more different options that are available and that sort of thing. But I think 
Shopify is very, very good for that. But the point I would make is, as Sarah sort of said, have a look at some of your other technology and always ask yourself the two questions. What would it cost us if we had no sales next week? Which might happen. What's it going to cost us? And can we limit our overheads by having better technology? And the second thing to then look at is what would happen if our sales quadrupled next week? If I'm one person running a business, do I have enough time to deliver those products? If not, well, actually, I need to make a bit of a decision here as to how could I get those things? Should I get a warehousing business to to warehouse and fulfill my products for me now? What would that do to my margins? How much leaner do I need to make my advertising to then get to that point? And then that's how you start to then make a bit of a business plan. So you can say, once I'm making X amount per new customer and my customer repeat rate is this, then my cost per order has dropped significantly. So then I can afford to have somebody else fulfill the products. And actually a system like Bright Pearl then comes into play where I can actually just sit back and focus on the things that you probably wanted to do when you set the business up, which was I wanted to focus on marketing and branding. Or I mentioned that tea company earlier. They want to change the world. And their way of doing it was going to the press initially and being like, it's awful if you buy your tea from various different places. The tea is really, really bad for you. And I can't believe how much tea I've drunk over my life. And you can see how much of an impact it's had on me. I've very much been in that space for a while, though. Like, I've tried the vegan diet. I'm keeping 80% of it. But, you know, I'm trying to do my bit for the world and see what changes. And equally, I think your customers are really important to that. And the technology you then use to deliver whatever it is you deliver to those customers is equally as important. Because as Sarah says, you don't know what's going to happen around the corner. And I think that, I think you touched on a really nice point there, actually. The fact that retailers haven't prepared because they've been too busy to. We've been describing it initially as a second peak. However, it looks like that wasn't a second peak. It was a big step up and remained up. And now we are heading towards actual peak. There are some incredible predictions about what's going to happen next. And I know I didn't prep some of these questions for you, Sarah, so apologies. But what, what are your predictions based on the report, based on what you've seen? What are your predictions for Christmas? And feel free to give us two different scenarios. One, if COVID's still running riot, and one, if COVID's kind of really suppressed and we're on top of it and a vaccine's on the way, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a great question. I think my biggest focus around, at least what I'm talking about with customers right now for Christmas is... What makes it so interesting is it's like a Christmas we've never managed before, right? Like this is so incredibly different. And so a lot of customers that I speak with are actually, they have like plan A, B, and C in place. So they've got plan A where everything performs as normal or as they anticipated before COVID was even something that was a consideration. Plan B is our expectations are way surpass that. So we see even more growth than we anticipated. And then option C is it's it's underperforming, right? It's it's something that we weren't prepared for. It's sort of the negative way. And and with that, there's plans under each of those. And I think what you'll see is really as many merchants as possible doing what they can to still focus on that customer experience regardless of plan A, B, or C, and making sure that they're able to offer flexible fulfillment options like buy online, pick up in store, and click and collect in the event that there is a a massive sort of shutdown again and people don't really have any other options except delivery or pickup. And how are they going to make sure that that experience is, is as perfect as possible? They're also looking at things like special offers or promotions that they can do, I think, even ahead of Christmas time to try and, and 
have that demand sort of flatten as much as possible. So they're opening up their windows earlier than maybe they would have previously um, and extending them for longer to sort of help their fulfillment teams <laughs> manage the pick pack and ship process and things like that. So it's all about, I think, just back to my original point, like how flexible and agile can you be regardless of what your decisions are? How can you implement them as quickly as possible and and do so in, in the best way for your customers? You know, we talked about trust, which I think I like to say is sort of like the touchy feely way of talking about the customer experience. Cause when we think about it like this, do your consumers trust you? It really is an interesting way to think about just the overall like selling strategy. And, and unfortunately there's been a lot of issues in COVID. We saw that 36% of shoppers have actually been let down by an online order since COVID began. So, you know, the, the disappointment is there. And then on the flip side, almost 80% say that, yes, they will be buying online more frequently in the next 12 months. So this is huge. This is like, you know, Peter Parker, if you're a Spider-Man fan, <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's just tremendous opportunity here, but it really does require retailers to be responsible and just in how they prove their, their own brand's ability to support this surge in consumers, especially around the holiday times. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's the first superhero quote we've had on here, which is actually maybe slightly <laughs> upset given that i've been running this from since june i took over from caroline but um it, it will not be the last i can promise that but something something you've just picked up on that i want to talk a little bit more about because i think it's quite interesting actually is the you mentioned about like slowing things down a bit so that your internal team can fulfill enough products that sort of thing i spoke with quite a few e-commerce owners about a year or two ago and a common theme with them and something i've kept very close to my heart ever since is that we all exist for the needs of our customer so his view on one particular chap, his view on the e-commerce packing and shipping, the internal marketing teams, he always sort of took the approach of like, I don't care. We will do whatever we need to, to get things to our customers on time. And he was always, he was one of the few business owners that I thought was actually customer first. We talk about this kind of customer first at all the big retail conferences. We're forever bringing it up in reports and you should think about your customers. He honestly was that. And I think one of the things you just touched on about the kind of, you know, making sure your teams can pack and send products quickly enough. I get that. But there is always a danger in running a business that you get so caught up internally, you lose sight of what it is that customers actually want or what they actually want to buy from you. Because often, the, as you said earlier, the product could be fantastic, but if it arrived late, they're straight onto Trustpilot, to FIFO, complaining about it. And I think a real key message on this as well to give a really, what I think is quite a good metaphor is, we work a lot with B2B companies. So companies that sell an industrial product or a technology product and they take it to market and the terminology they use is absolutely atrocious. The first thing we teach them from SEO is how much do your customers actually know about your product? And in doing that, we then go back and say, well, you might, I'll give an example, working with a company that worked with OKRs. And I can't remember the, what exactly OKR stands for. It's essentially a, a setting a kind of KPI, an objective, and then being able to monitor that, that objective sort of thing. And they basically offered a service and a whole suite of tools that helped you set and monitor OKRs in your business. So we call them KPIs, for example. But that's not what they call them. They call it like performance analysis or performance evaluation. And it's like, 
if you call it that, your customers will arrive the same way we did on day one, we started working with you, scratching their heads going, what on earth is that? Like, what does that mean? What does it do for me? So that's where, again, understanding your customer, a really good place to go is to look on Google Search Console, or if you're running PPC activity, look at what they actually type in to Google to find your business, especially the ones that buy and the ones that don't buy, which is all of them. So split them into those two categories and work out the people that bought from us, were their keywords just, I want a pair of shoes? Or was it recycled men's leather shoes, for example, or recycled men's boots or winter boots? So have a look at those keywords and then work out how to position your category structure on your site, what it actually says on your website. And I think, again, the you know, I hear what you're saying, Sarah, from a sort of back-end perspective. Let's make sure people don't get overwhelmed and we can get all of the orders out. That is a great problem to have. And in my opinion, quite an easy one to fix with Bright Pearl software, the right couriers, and the right warehousing setup. That's an easy problem to fix and a good problem to have. And therefore, I would, I would definitely challenge businesses to say that, you know, if you know you send stuff out late or actually ask your customers, how quickly were you expecting this item and did we meet your requirements? Then you've got your answer and you know what to do with that stuff. So if it's not a problem, move on, look at the next thing, find the next opportunity. If it is a problem, start to fix it. Because I think, again, I always hear these excuses from businesses, oh, we call it that because of this reason or our oh, boss won't let us call it this. And I sort of say, well, give me his number. I'll prove why he needs to change that. Get him on the next call and we'll have a conversation <laughs> with him and tell him why he needs to change that. No, it's you're spot on. And I think it it does, at the end of the day, what we we try to, to really hone in on is it's it's also about managing your customers' expectations. So if you say that you're gonna deliver something in 48 hours, you it better be delivered in 48 hours. If you're upfront or you say your delivery window is between three and five business days, yes, that's longer. But if you deliver it in two, you've now exceeded those expectations, which have helped manage those expectations. And so we talk a lot about, there was actually one customer in particular before they had moved on to Bright Pearl. At the start of all this, they were selling exercise equipment, which I'm not sure if you guys experienced something similar in the UK, but here in the US, gyms closed. So at-home exercise equipment became like, just the most prized possession <laughs> you could ever want yeah. or hope for. I bought a yoga mat, some yeah. new running shoes, some new running so We're back at football now. So we're oh, groups of yep. six of the max. Okay. But we're allowed to go and play, which is British football, yes. soccer yeah, for yeah. all of you guys that inherited it late. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're very proud of our football know, in the UK. I know, I know. Um, you should yeah, be. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm, playing, I'm playing tonight. There's 14 of us. If it's an organized sport, it's outdoors, it's fine. But yeah, it was exactly the same. But yeah, we were exactly the same. In the UK, we were buying climbing frames for our garden, walking sticks for long hikes when our, you know, our, our emperor Boris said that we could go out for more than uh, go out for more yes. than thirty minutes or whatever it was. Especially where I live, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I was like, even if I went out for five hours, no one would know. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just hills everywhere. I could I could walk for miles and not meet anyone. And well, so, yeah, this, same this kind of specific thing. Customer, yeah, they were they sold sort of at home gym equipment, and they had such a huge increase in demand that they actually had to shut down their website because they couldn't take on any more orders because they knew that it would damage their customer experience. And so I just, you know, obviously once they transitioned onto Bright Pearl, now we're talking about, okay, how this becomes something that they can, they can continue to support come phase two, phase three, phase four of COVID, whoever, whatever that looks like. But it, it is about managing expectations and making sure that whatever it is that you plan, you just, you have to be upfront and communicate that throughout your website, throughout the experience. And I think if I spoke to that customer, maybe, I don't know, 
two years ago and said, you're going to see such increase in demand, you're going to have to shut down your website, they would have laughed at me. <laughs> you know, like that, yeah, there's yeah. no way we would never do that. But that expectation piece is, is really critical. And I think ultimately helps them as well as others just maintain that level of perfection and frictionless customer experience that they need to be able to get those repeat customers. So it's all fascinating. This whole experience is just, I'm sure you can agree, there is never a dull day in what we do. It's all very exciting. It was certainly quiet. <laughs> it was certainly quiet in yeah. February this year. I like in comparison, you know, we, we as a business were on a very nice trajectory, sort of sailing along nicely, about to hire someone and <laughs> oh my gosh, we're not allowed to go outside anymore. It's like, what? But yeah, it'll all be over. I I think within 12 months, I think it'll all be over, whether it's we've all just had it and we've moved on or whether there's a vaccine or, you know, they're they're doing trials in the UK and US at the moment, so we can only hope. Well, it'll be interesting too to see just post, let's say it's 12 months, what this landscape is going to look like. Like, how will it have changed? What sort of buying behaviors are going to be here to stay? What sort of things are we never going to talk about again? And I'm just, I'm so interested in what that's going to look like. And that's a lot about what the study is about as well. Yeah, sure, sure. One thing I'm, I'm fairly confident on, and if anyone listening, you heard it here first. I think that, I think that stores are, and this happened in the last um, recession as well, which hit the UK really, really badly, partly because apparently we sold all our gold or something. So we were just completely screwed financially as a government and then had austerity, which had just finished. And now we've got COVID. So we were cutting back public spending and all that. But what happened is a lot of businesses obviously went under and it's incredibly sad to see that happen. What happens though, and it is, it is like the phoenix rising from the ashes kind of thing, new businesses started to come through. I think, and this is my prediction, I think that a lot of new businesses with new in-store experiences are going to start appearing soon. And something that I think is long overdue anyway is actually integrating the online and offline world. And I think companies like PayPal, Shopify, you guys at BrightPearl, people have made some advancements to this. You know, the fact that you can, for example, one of our clients, if you order something, somebody in one of their stores, like one of the physical stores you can walk into, pick up the item, pack it up in some tissue paper, and every store has a lorry that turns up every, a big truck turns up every night and picks up orders, you know, on its way through sort of thing. And I think, I think it's going to be more of that kind of thing. I think there'll also be robots and smart technology where you can try stuff on in a store you can put your measurements in and a robot will go around a physical store or possibly even a virtual one and try things on for you because the robot will be able to expand or you know shrink itself to your exact size and maybe there's an iphone app that all the technology exists to do that today someone just needs to put it together and so i think there's going to be a lot more of that but we will see we will absolutely see i think when you look at i mean we had in 2008 with the recession here it had still lasting impacts but i'm so glad you mentioned that because you look at some of the businesses that came out of that time period you've got you know whatsapp and and venmo and instagram and pinterest and slack like all these huge companies that have impacted our days you know more so than we ever anticipated so i'm so excited you know in a couple of years to actually look back and see what sort of innovation has come out of this. And I mean, robots and, and things is fascinating. And I'm sure we'll see even more of incredible technology really support the way that we, we shop and the way that we buy. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I, I, I back what you said about the businesses being started during 2008. I, I started my first company in 2009. I think it was 2011 was the first set of accounts we did. So it was around, there you go. yeah, it was around <laughs> kind of 2010, 2011. It was, it was sort of starting, but yeah, it was around that time. And the, you know, people would, 
people kind of getting back on their feet. Some businesses weren't affected as much as they thought and people were then starting to spend money. It was very interesting. And I heard on the radio, companies like IBM, HP, I think Amazon as well, they were all founded and had their first successful profitable year, both during some sort of economic recession downturn. So, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not making any light number of the, you know, the amount of cases we've got, the amount of deaths that have gone on, but it, this is, it's, on, it's on businesses to adapt and to change the way that we work. And I think, I think a very, very important point. But look, we've been talking for nearly 50 minutes, trying to keep these down to 20 or 30. So I've at, absolutely <laughs> failed every week so far. So, um, but it's all good stuff. And again, if anyone's listening at home, feel free to send in any questions on the Facebook group and stuff like that. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great to have you on the show. Thank you, Nick. This is amazing. I could talk about this for hours. So I'm actually impressed that we managed 50 minutes. But yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful. And I, <laughs> I appreciate just taking the time with me to go through this this topic. It's really exciting. Hey, thanks so much for being here. And thanks again to Brightpath for sponsoring. Um, we'll be back next week with the next episode. We've got two Shopify stores, both customers of Brightpath that we're going to be interviewing over the next couple of weeks. So if you haven't listened to last week, go and check that out. We'll be back next week with um, the first one of those two Shopify stores. So stay tuned. If you've got any questions, send them in via the Facebook group, which is the Winning with Shopify Facebook group. And if you want to support the show, hit the subscribe button. And remember to get hold of that report. You can go to brightpearl, which is spelled B-R-I-G-H-T-P-E-A-R-L.com forward slash winners and losers. And that's and A-N-D. So brightpearl.com forward slash winners and losers. We're going to have a quick message now from our sponsor. And then we'll be closing today's episode. So thanks again for joining us. And we look forward to having you with us next time. Is your ERP platform able to handle bursts of growth and the diverse needs of cross-channel experiences? Probably not because it's not built for retail. Bright Pearl is 100% built for retail. So you'll know that you're in good hands. Find out why more than 1,000 e-commerce merchants use Bright Pearl's automated digital operations platform to scale efficiently, delight customers, and to make smarter decisions. In an uncertain world, it's time to future-proof and streamline your business. Do so today at brightpearl.com. Sign up for free for the Shopify-approved marketing course at 1000salesandbeyond.com and get our show notes at justaskparker.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. See you next time.